Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyral and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Get your hearts and minds ready for Beware of Ravenous Wolves Part 4, The Antichrist Agenda. This is the last of the series, so listen up. We glorify your name because you are worthy. Lord, we thank you that you make everything beautiful in your time. And so, Lord, as we wait for you, as we glorify you, as we minister unto you, O God, day by day, make everything beautiful in its time. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. I pray in Jesus' name, O God, that you beautify your church, that we would be without spot or wrinkle before the coming of the Lord. God, we bless you and we honor you. We magnify you and we lift you up. You are so worthy, so holy, so great. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. Thank you, Lord God, for First Love Online Church. That, Lord, we're able to minister the word of God for the cause of Christ, for your glory, to all who would hear. Thank you, Lord, that indeed our ears are open, our eyes are open to know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you continue to speak. Speak, O God. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Speak, Lord, your church hears. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us again for First Love Online Church on this Sunday morning, October the 1st. We are well into the autumn season right now and we are expecting a lot from the Lord to close out this year, to, to close out this year strong. Um, you know, many of us have, have gone through some things this year. It's not been the easiest year for a lot of us. But, you know, when, when we have the determination to close the year out strong, it just makes a big difference. And so it, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what the hardship and the trouble that you've seen, just keep that in mind that we still have time right now, October, November, December, the last quarter. Let's close strong. Let's close strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And let's be prepared to to do his will as we move forward. We're headed into the holiday seasons also. Um, You know, we have Thanksgiving and Christmas coming and New Year's. There's a lot of things, a lot of opportunities that we have right now to to serve the Lord and to do his will and to to just just not just close strong, but close in power and and close in having reached people with the love of God. So let's let's be prepared for what God is going to do toward the end of this season. All right. So we are closing now on this series. Beware of ravenous wolves today. I'd like to talk about the agenda of the Antichrist spirit. And so let's turn really quickly to Luke chapter 16. Because we're going to talk about the Antichrist spirit, but again, we still have to discuss what's at stake 
And it's very important that we see it. And of course, we're going to be talking, speaking to the story, <coughs> excuse me, of the rich man and Lazarus. And so Luke chapter 16, verse 19, it says, there was a certain rich man and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day. And a certain poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling down from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it came about that the poor man died and he was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom. And a rich man also died and was buried in Hades. Keep that in mind. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able and none may cross over from there to us. And he said, then I beg, father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them, lest also they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no. Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. <clears throat> now, one thing I want to point out before we before we go forward, one thing I'd like to point out is that there is something about the written word of God that expects to be obeyed. Like, I know sometimes we say, man, if we could just see more miracles, signs and wonders, if we could just see more healings, if we could just see more, more mighty acts of God in the present day, more people would come to Christ. And I think the same way sometimes, too. But according to this verse here, it says there's some people that even if they saw the dead raised, they would not believe. Because one thing about miracle signs and wonders is that just because a miracle and a sign and a wonder happened does not mean that someone's heart has been impacted meaning they've been wowed or maybe they saw something that they can compare to a circus, uh, a circus performance, but not necessarily something that's going to convict them. And what we're, the, the goal is that people be convicted by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now, I, I totally believe in the miracles and the signs and the wonders, and I've seen with my eyes, and we've, at First Love Fellowship, we've seen the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, okay? However, it says right here that there are people who will not believe, even if they saw the dead raising from the dead, uh, raising, raising up. So I just find it interesting that there is something about the word of God that when preached and when accurately taught, it does something that even miracle signs and wonders will not do. And so let's just always keep in mind our focus must be the scriptures, the word of God. Like if I had a choice between being a person of miracle signs and wonders and a person of this book, I have to choose to be a person of this book. In our day, what we have is a group of people, and it's a large group of people, 
and people with large followings. And they are people who speak to the idea of miracles, signs, and wonders all the time. They speak of prophecies and miracles and deliverance and all these things. However, while they seem to be proficient in making it appear that they are doing miracles, signs, and wonders, they don't make it clear that they are people of this book, neither by knowledge or by practice. And so today we're going to talk about the idea of being aware of ravenous wolves and also the agenda of the Antichrist spirit. Because I'll tell you what, the Antichrist cannot stand the word of God. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, it wasn't a miracle, a sign or a wonder that he used to fight back against the adversary. He fought back with it is written. Now, again, how do we in the body of Christ fight the enemy by saying it is written if we don't know what's written? That's why I'm asking us, we must be people of this book. We must fall in love with this word. We must, as the psalmist said, meditate in this word day and night. We have to get this word in our hearts so that we will not sin against God. It is the word of God that is going to, to, to enable you to, 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 to be victorious through all the, the activities that occur in these last days. It's not miracle signs and wonders, although, listen, I'm all about it. I understand. We have to pray for the sick, and we fully expect them to be healed. We have to trust God for miracles and, and gifts of faith and prophecy and tongues, interpretation of tongues and discerning of spirits. We have to fully be prepared to share the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and a prophecy. I, I get it, and I'm all about it. I'm just saying, if we're not people of this book— we can go trying to demonstrate all of the miracle signs and wonders, even raising someone from the dead. But it won't change hearts. And in fact, if, in fact, it, it won't even change your heart. The Antichrist himself goes about with signs and lying wonders. And he'll, he'll, he'll go forth even to deceive. He'll, he'll even deceive the elect. So I want us to understand that the agenda of the Antichrist is designed to deceive, and it wants you to get away from the word of God. Now, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the one we just read, it tells us a few things. It tells us there's a separation between the rich man and Lazarus. It tells us that where the rich man is, it is, it is hot. There's, there's a flame, there's a heat, and there's a dryness there, and there's a, a torment there that he, he can't handle. And also, it tells us that on the side of Abraham's bosom, that, that, that the, the Lazarus was being comforted. And angels actually escorted him there. And so there's a, it's a, a beautiful location that Lazarus seems to be in. A location that's so beautiful that it seems as though the rich man can actually see him. And with the rich man being able to see him, I find it interesting that the rich man can see the comforts of Lazarus, but Lazarus cannot see the torment of the rich man. It is from this place that we know that when the Lord calls his church home, he calls his church home from this location. This is Abraham's bosom, being in comfort. He also, in the last day, 
calls forth those dead that are in the sea and all them that are in it. Um, he, he calls them, th those dead, un unto judgment. And he calls them from this location of torment where the rich man is. It's important that we understand that not everybody who dies goes to the same place. That there is something in scripture called the place of the dead. But that place of the dead appears to be divided into two locations. On one side is torment and on one side is comfort. The side that you see on, that, that Lazarus is in is clearly the place of comfort. The side that you see the rich man in is clearly the place of torment. And this is the holding place until the last day. The holding place. It's not the final thing. Now, the holding place of the man that is in torment is also the place that's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. In fact, Revelation tells us that death and Hades, the entire place of the dead, is thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, just to let you know, according to Revelation 19.20, Revelation 20.10, Revelation 20.14 and 15, the lake of fire, if you read those scriptures, is for the Antichrist. The lake of fire is for the false prophet. The lake of fire is for that old dragon, Satan. The lake of fire is for death and Hades itself. And the lake of fire is for anyone, <clears throat> excuse me, that is not in the book of life. This is the final judgment. So the lake of fire is that place that is permanent and eternal torment. It's the place that when we think of hell, this is actually the place people go. And this lake of fire, I want to tell you, is God's lake of fire. It is a place of the fullness of his wrath poured out in full strength. And so we have to be people who keep this in the center of our thoughts because none of us, <coughs> excuse me, none of us want to go there. All right. Revelation 14, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about the false prophet. And we're going to talk about the Antichrist. So Revelation 14, 9 says this. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or his hand, he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength. Hear that. Into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. See? Oftentimes we, we look at hell as something where, where God is just absent. But not according to this scripture. This scripture seems to be telling us that the torment happens in the presence of God. That it is his will that is happening. That he wants the torment. That those who have become recipients of that torment are being tormented according to the will of God. It's not that God is absent. It is the fullness of his presence and the fullness of his wrath. That's what this is. And it says here that smoke, the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark and whoever receives the mark of his name. Revelation 13, 11, it says this. It says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, mind you, this is after the beast from the sea comes out, which is the Antichrist. It says another beast comes out of the earth and has two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. 
that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. This one here is the false prophet. This is him. It says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number of man. His number is 666. So it appears here, according to the scripture, that if you don't take this mark, you will not be able to buy or sell anything. Now, I want to let you know why that's significant. You won't take out a bank loan. You won't be able to buy groceries. You won't be able to do business. You won't be able to sell. I'm sure if you cannot buy or sell anything, you can't even work a job. Which means that if you don't have the mark of the beast, it is a death sentence on the comfort of your life. You're nothing but a beggar. You're nothing but... Lazarus, you're nothing but a man begging at the gate because he has nothing. You're nothing but the one who may long to be fed by the portion of the meat at the rich man's table. I want the church to be prepared for the Lazarus life because it very well may be possible that in the day that the mark of the beast comes, every comfort you know will be gone. Everything that you hold dear may be gone. Everything that we take for granted in this day, gone. Because you won't take the mark of the beast. And you won't worship the image of the beast. That turns you into nothing but a second class citizen. It turns you, it says here, he causes all small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. That means everyone would have to take this mark. And it says here that if you don't, if you don't basically give your economic life a death sentence, it says here that the full cup of God's wrath in full strength, remember Revelation 14, the full strength of God's wrath is poured out on those who take this mark. See, I, we're, we're living in a day, I'm telling you, we're living in a day where everybody wants to be a prophet, but no one wants to see what the prophets in the Bible are actually saying. But I'm reading the prophecy here, and it's telling me that, listen, if you take the mark, say goodbye to your financial life. It's over. You're going to be like Lazarus. You're going to be begging at the gate. And my question is, how willing are we to actually suffer for the cause of Christ? How willing are we to suffer for his namesake? Do we really believe that if we die, we're in the presence of the Lord. <coughs> and do we really believe that there is eternal punishment to those who would trample us underfoot? Is this really true? This mark of the beast? When you look at the world today, why is it that all of our technology seems to be getting closer and closer to exactly this? It seems as though all of our technology seems, I, I saw something online the other day where a person was at Whole Foods and they were looking to buy something and, and they had the option of actually paying with their hand, you know, and, and you know, it, it, she was surprised and happy and everything. I saw another story where somebody was horrified about it. But the reason why I, I, I think, this is my opinion here, but the reason why it would be on your hand or your forehead is because if it's on your hand and you're rich, guess what people are going to be robbing you of? 
they'll they'll take your hand. They'll go shopping with your hand in your bag and you know just kind of use that as ID. Um, if if the mark of the beast is implanted in you, um, the forehead though was different because then they'd have to actually kill you. Um, and you know nobody's gonna walk around with a, a head, a human head, inside of a grocery store. But anyway, um, it seems as though this is just absolute identification, either the hand or the forehead. But those days that we're talking about here that are being shown in Revelation, it seems as though this is the generation where this is the first generation ever where any of this is really even possible. But if you go to places like the World Economic Forum, if you listen to some of the things being said by by Klaus Schwab and others that are, are in that 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 organization, um, you'll, you'll see that this is really something that's that that has an agenda to move forward. They want this to happen. It's as though they read the Bible and said, let's just do that. Yuval Noah Harari is another one. He's one of the senior tech advisors for the World Economic Forum. I'm certain there, there's no way that he doesn't know it. I'm certain he knows everything about the mark of the beast spoken of in Scripture here. Because the activities that they're committing seem to be mimicking what the Bible says. It's like they're trying to make this happen. And so they're doing this while all the world is continuing on in its own agenda and not paying attention to what's really going on. All right. So I, I want us to understand that today's false prophets, false prophets like many of them you may see on the Internet or maybe even Yuval Noah Harari, who was another one who he has entire books out there, right? Motivational books and everything that, that speak about ideas of, of, of how humanity can live forever through technology and, and how these men actually want to take, they want to technologically somehow uh, house their souls in something to where they can transfer it from body to body so that they can live forever, they're looking for ways. No Harari says this. He says, I think maybe the most important thing for people to realize about living in the 21st century as, again, as opposed to like the Middle Ages or the Stone Age is that right now we human beings are hackable animals. He really believes that human beings can be fused together with technology, he himself included. But in such a way that for the right price, you could live forever. You could live forever. It kind of is a, a mimicry of what the scripture says, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Like God makes the promise you can live forever, and then the devil just comes with the exact same thing and says you can live forever my way too. <clears throat> and so I do just wonder where that leaves us as a church, because false prophets being the forerunners of the actual false prophet, what false prophets want to do is get you so focused on your life and your money and your stuff, your opportunity, holding out hope before you all the time, causing you to desire even more the things of this world. And so the false prophets will drive around in their, their Bentleys and their jet planes and their lavish luxuries and riches, and they will cause the church to run after the same uh, uh, example of covetousness and lust, looking for the very things the false prophets have. They're forerunners for the actual false prophet, because when the day comes where they say, you can't buy a house now without the mark of the beast, most Christians, if we're not prepared, are going to take it willfully. See, the mark of the beast isn't something that you're going to have to take. It's something that it's, it'll be designed to what, that, what you'll want to take it.
You'll desire to take it because it'll make your whole life so much better. Your babies are going to go through college. They're going to do so well. They just got to get the mark. Wasn't this just demonstrated to us back in uh, 2020? When they were saying, like, if you want this job, you have to get the vaccine. They've already I, I, I've maintained that the, the vaccine issue was just uh, uh, a dress rehearsal for the actual mark of the beast. Like if you don't have autonomy as to what goes into your body, if you don't have a choice to, 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 uh, for, for what goes into your body, then what rights do you have? What freedom do you have? But they make it, they, they give you no choice, but at the same time, they make it something that you would desire. They make it look like you were actually choosing it when you're not. But what you are doing is you're choosing between your comforts and the will of that agenda. By the way, if you go to the World Economic Forum site, if you just type in the Great Reset and just Google it, right, just go to the, type in the, the Great Reset, you'll see where the World Economic Forum even tells you that the Great Reset for the entire world, um, that the coronavirus pandemic gave a classic opportunity for them to pull the trigger on the entire uh, enactment of this Great Reset. So right now in this day and age, we are in the middle of the activities surrounding the Great Reset. And what I'm asking the saints is, are we going to continue to covet after riches and wealth in order to preserve ourselves? Or will we be like Lazarus in his last day when he switched over into eternity, comforted by angels? Will we be like the rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day? Will we be like him and just ignore Lazarus? One thing I noticed about the the pandemic that just that the coronavirus pandemic is this just like the rich man seemed to have just ignored Lazarus Lazarus was laid at the gate it seemed like there was like a, a disdain that he had for Lazarus even in eternity he's like send Lazarus to get me some water like Lazarus didn't go into eternity to be the water boy for this rich man and of course Abraham didn't even address that he, he, you know, he, he didn't even address Lazarus with that. Um, Lazarus was too busy being comforted and happy. Uh, but but it, it seemed like during the coronavirus pandemic, it seemed like it turned the world into the vaxxed versus the unvaxxed. And those who had received the vaccine, they were saying things like, forget your freedom. They were saying things like, if you're not vaccinated, you should be thrown in jail. If you're not vaccinated, you should lose everything. Now, imagine how that vaccine controversy looks on the side of an economic crisis. If you don't take the mark, you're the problem. If you don't take the mark, you should be thrown in jail. If you don't take the mark, you're hindering us from being able to, to move forward as humanity. If you don't take the mark, you're just not going to be out of debt. If you take the mark, you're going to be out of debt. It's a great reset. Everyone's going to have what they need. Everyone's going to be happy. The line between rich and poor is gone. And the only thing hindering us from, from being able to have a better world are these radical Christian fundamentalists who won't take the mark. Kill them. I'm just saying we already had a dress rehearsal for this. It was the coronavirus pandemic. When you were being told, if you did not take the vaccine, that you were the scum of the earth. There was hatred 
thrown at you, whether it's at the airport, in public transportation, in supermarkets, it doesn't matter where you were, in any public arena, you were viewed as horrible. If they saw you and you didn't have a mask on, it was like the average citizen would feel the right to be able to tell you, hey, put your mask on. Everybody became a police officer for you. I went through this. I went through this. Even going to a store and not having a mask. I have a 17-year-old teenager trying to police me, trying to tell me, hey, sir, put your mask on. And I, I just, you know, at the time, I, I, I just enjoyed not putting on my mask, you know. It was one of those rare opportunities that I got to be a, a, a lawbreaker when actually there was no law. There's never been a law, by the way, in place that mandated masks. The mask mandate was never a law. So if you were not wearing a mask, you were not breaking any law. What I'm getting at here is that the coming crisis, I believe the coming crisis will be more economic in nature. In fact, if you keep up with the, uh, with the economy, you'll see that we're in a state right now that cannot be maintained. It can't be maintained. Eventually, something's going to break. And when it does, I just wonder if the next crisis is going to involve exactly this here. Will you take the mark of the beast? That's the question. All right, let's go on because, uh, like I said, the agenda of false prophets is to really um, get your heart geared toward the things of this world. Even John said, love not the world, neither the things that are of the world, right? Because all that's in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Don't get caught up in this world system. And I believe that's the same admonition I have for us today. Don't get caught up in this world system. Be prepared. I wonder, you know, some people are trying to stash, uh, store away cash and store away treasures, even though Jesus said not to do that. But he said, you know, many people are storing away treasures and storing away monies and, and, and finding their little bunkers on a mountain, preparing for what's coming. I'm telling you something. What's coming is not going to require that if the monetary system goes down um if the if if it goes down and is replaced by something like this here your your stashing away money isn't going to help you what will help you though is knowing christ what will help you is being able to resist and endure until the end unto your salvation because the antichrist wants to use the cares of this world in order to in a final attempt Drag your soul to hell. Now, it says in Revelation 13 that all that, are sm all that are small and great should take the mark. You actually get a warning in Revelation 14, 9, a warning from angels not to take the mark. It is shown in Revelation 19, 20 that people are deceived into taking the mark, just like people were deceived into taking the vaccines. You were tricked. It comes out today that, you know, many of the treatments for the coronavirus, like hydroxychloroquine and all those different and, and the different ones um, actually were effective. Now, according to the, the National Institutes of Health, they, they're finally admitting that it's effective. Now, that would have been really helpful just a couple of years ago. But you were being deliberately deceived. You were being deliberately tricked. They were doing it to you on purpose and they knew it. And they were shutting down the mouths of the doctors who knew that, the, that, that there were effective treatments that existed. And they were shutting down the networks of the effective treatments from, from getting out to the people. I wonder how they're able to shut down the effective treatments for coronavirus. But they can't get fentanyl out of the street. They can't stop cocaine from coming across the borders. They can't stop the meth, uh, the, 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 the meth epidemic that's 
covering the entire country. They can't stop those things, but they can stop the certain specific drugs that would treat a pandemic. I'm telling you, that spirit of the false prophet is a spirit of deception. And we've been, we've been getting deceived for a long, long time. Now listen, in Revelation chapter 24, I'm going back to the mark of the beast now. In Revelation chapter 24, it says that those who did not receive the mark are indeed redeemed. I'm going to turn there really quickly. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. It says here, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. See, don't fall for this world's tricks. This world wants you to believe their agenda. But if our hearts are set on Christ's agenda, whether it's by life or by death, I saw here that somebody, it says here that, that it includes those who were beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus. Imagine that. Because of the testimony in Jesus, of Jesus and because of the word of God. Now, saints, we all claim to have the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. But do we have it in a way that would allow us to be beheaded? Do we have it in such a way that we would allow it to, to, to be so stored up in our hearts that if they stormed into your door and dragged you out of your house, that you would still not deny the Christ? That you would still not take the mark of the beast nor worship his image? I don't know, maybe, maybe what I'm talking about today is a message that when you look back on it five years from now, you'll say, oh my goodness, you know, we, we, we really needed to, to take heed to this. But I'm saying take heed to it now. It's like we have to decide in our own hearts right now that no matter what, we have to be focused on Christ and we will not take the mark of the beast. This is the agenda of the Antichrist. He wants you to conform to the systems of this world. And yes, I do indeed believe they are technologically based because there's no way the, the false prophet, according to scripture, administers the mark of the beast. He's the one that pushes it forward. So, so I mean, this is technologically based here. This is something that, like I said, this is the first generation that I believe this is even possible. So, what happens in a church is this, when you have false prophets, and yes, there are certain particular false prophets in mind that get your, your heart and your soul set on earthly things. That is the spirit of the false prophet. But, but these agents come into churches in order to convert in reverse. They, they want to they turn you away from Christ instead of draw you to Christ. The act of turning you away from Christ is to get you focused on yourself on your needs, on your wants, and make it so that you'll do anything to make it happen. These false prophets, according to Matthew chapter 24, 11, will deceive many. These false prophets will rise up, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, they will rise up and they will say peace and safety, but destruction will come. It says in 2 John that many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who don't acknowledge Jesus as Christ, as coming to, in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Understand, this is the false prophet and the antichrist, and they're rising up in these days. And 2 John was written to the elect lady in church. 
These false prophets are coming to your church and the agenda is to get your heart set on earthly things because the false prophet, the actual big guy is going to come one day and he'll have the same spirit. And listen, what they're doing in their agenda will appear to be the wise thing to do. Let's just use wisdom. Let's just use wisdom. You see, there's a pandemic. Take the vaccine. No one even knew what the vaccine had, what was in the vaccine. Let's just use wisdom. Come on, we have to, we have to stop the spread. And here we are now, years later, realizing, oh my goodness, we were tricked. People are dying all over the place because they took it. People are sick. They have permanent diseases. And the media covers all these things up. They don't talk about the, the, the multitudes of people out there right now who have vaccine injuries that they've still not recovered from. And the other multitudes of people that have died because of the vaccine. So it would seem like it would be wisdom. But I'm telling you, the false prophet is a deceiver. And the Bible says here, the Bible says here in Matthew 24, I'm going to turn there really quickly. Matthew chapter 24, because some of us say, well, I have the Holy Ghost. I can't be tricked. I'm not saying that you will be. What I'm saying, though, is that according to scripture, it says here in Matthew chapter 24, it says false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Now, when you look at that in the original language, it says something very interesting because it omits, the, it, it, it italicizes the, the words around the idea of it being if possible. And it plainly says it, that they would deceive even the elect. Like if it's, if it's possible, like as, not in a way like it's not possible to deceive the elect, but if the opportunity should arise itself, they would deceive, they would deceive even the very elect. Yes, the very elect can indeed be deceived. That's why these people are sent into the churches. Don't think for one second that the false prophets and the antichrists are not sent into churches because that's directly where they go. They're coming for you and they're coming not to try to beat you up or hurt you. No, they're trying to woo you. They're trying to, to, to drag your heart in your mind in a direction that God never intended for you to go. And remember, the idol that you see in the Western world is pleasure. The idol that you see in a Western world is comfort. If you're not one that's prone to worshiping those idols, the false prophet and the Antichrist can't hurt you because your life is hid with God in Christ. But if your heart is tied to the idolatry of comfort, if your heart is tied to the idolatry of all that's happening in the world and the things of the world, you're in big trouble. The false prophet makes your heart soften to all of those things. And I'm asking you today to reject the lure of the false prophet. Reject them all. I don't care if they get a million hits on YouTube. Reject them. If they're pushing you toward the comforts of this world, reject them. If they're, not, if they're not imploring you to repent of your sins and give your heart to Christ, reject them. If they do not call you to worship Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, reject them. If they've got you crying out to God more for money than they've got you crying out to God for souls, reject them. Because they're false prophets.
And they know that the best way to get people deceived is to be self-centered and self-indulgent. People who prioritize self. All right. It says here, I'm going to go really quickly to Jude. It says here in Jude chapter, oh, Jude chapter 1, verse 17, it says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you that in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions. Worldly-minded, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's number one. You want to resist a false prophet, you better be praying in the Holy Spirit. You better be praying until all of you is emptied out before God. And if you've not gotten to that point, you pray until you're there. And if you don't think you can get to that point, you go on a fast. You go on a fast until God takes you there. Empty and uh, empty yourself out before the Lord in prayer because of the urgency of the day that we live in. This false prophet uh, uh, epidemic that we have right now is very real and it's widespread. Don't think for one second I'm just talking about the few that we all know about, perhaps on YouTube. We have entire what they call denominations that are dedicated to the agenda of the false prophet which enrich themselves but allow people to sit there by the multitudes in abject poverty. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. It says, but you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It says, number two, number two, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep yourselves in the love of God, Make sure that your life is governed not by self-indulgence, but by love. This is what we ought to be praying about. Lord, make me that. Make me that, a man of love. Make me a person that, that, that whose agenda is nothing but the love of Christ being shown towards God and shown towards others. It is people who walk in love that cannot be deceived by the false prophet. Because a false prophet has nothing that can be promised that a person who walks in love wants. All right, then it says, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. This ought to be our cry. Come, Lord Jesus. Waiting anxiously. I want Jesus to return. This ought to be the cry and desire of all of our hearts. But it seems like even the false prophet in this day that has infiltrated the church doesn't even teach about this. There's no teaching about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ anymore. No one even talks about it. And yet everybody wants to be a prophet, but no one talks about the prophecies. But it's important that we wait anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Pay attention to those who are struggling to grow in Christ and go alongside them and help them grow. This is a discipleship mandate here to help people to grow in the, the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian and you're discipling no one, I would suggest that today you start making those phone calls. Today you start reaching out to those people and say, listen, brother, listen, sister, I'm here for you. I want to help you grow in the Lord. Let's grow in this thing together. 
Because when we don't disciple people, if we don't pour into people, the only thing they have left to pour into them is this lost world that wants them to conform to the agenda of the Antichrist. You disciplers, you're the ones that stop that from happening. Let's get it done. Let's do it. It says, save others, snatching them out of the fire. Yeah, this, that's an evangelism mandate right there. You want to resist the Antichrist? Latch on to that evangelism mandate, that, that great commission that Jesus called us to. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, the evangelism mandate. What that does also is that outs you because in a day where we have the Antichrist spirit in the world already and in a day where we're getting ever so close to the mark of the beast, you'll be the one that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Outing your own self. Hallelujah. On some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Um, this flesh issue. If we're going to do this, we have to be holy. If we're going to thrive in the last days, we're going to have to live holy before God. We're going to have to love him. We're going to have to seek to do his will every single day. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh means I don't want whatever this lost and dying world is. I refuse to be that. Now, I'm going to share something before we conclude. What I'm talking about here after this, after this message is over, it's going to seem like none of what I'm saying is real. You're going to transition back into your life, your, your everyday mundane activities. You're going to go, you're not mundane, but you're going to go right back into your own activities right after all this is done. And you're, you're going to go back into your common routine of the world uh, or, or just of your life, not of the world, but of your life. And um, none of this is going to seem real. But when you go back to the agenda of your everyday life, just understand this, that the spirit of Antichrist and a false prophet, they're continuing their agenda in full force. It's like a freight train that's not going to stop by anything. And... Um, I would ask of you to give yourself back to the agenda of Christ with just as much dedication as the Antichrist and a false prophet give to their agenda. Give yourself to Christ. Give yourself to doing his will. And don't stop. Be like that freight train that they have that, that won't stop. You, you, you be that. Be that person that says, for God I live and for God I die. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved, himself, loved, loved us and gave himself for us. Let's, let's be like that. Let's have that resolve that Paul had. Because in this last day, I believe the only useful Christian is going to be the one that's following after the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and following in the agenda of Christ with their head on the line if necessary. Understand, finally, this final agenda is for a comfortable, complacent, compliant populace to receive the mark of the beast and literally swallow damnation for themselves. That's the final agenda. It's the devil's uh, uh, entryway into your relationship with God. And as Christians, we must be those people that says, not only will I not take the mark, 
but I will not flow in the spirit that currently exists in the world that supports such activity. Stay away from the ravenous wolves. Stay away from the false prophets because they're training you. They're training you to take the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, which is to come. Jude 1.24 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling. That is the Lord. He is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. See, I want us to understand that this doesn't end with guilt and sorrow. No, not for the believer that is held on to the cross, not for the believer that's held on to the gospel message. It says here right, right in Jude, it says blameless and with great joy. All of this ends with great joy if you resist the flow of the world and embrace the will of God the Father and give yourself to the agenda of Christ. It all ends in being blameless and great joy, just like Lazarus in Scripture. Lazarus's end, his, his time on earth was horrible, but the, the, Abraham told the rich man, listen, right now, though, Lazarus is receiving good things. He's in a place of blamelessness. He's in a place of great joy. And that is your destiny. That is your final place. If you give your heart to the agenda of Christ, it is a place of blamelessness and great joy. All because you embrace the one who is able to keep you from stumbling. You embrace the one who makes you stand in the presence of his glory. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, both now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, if you haven't made up your mind about Jesus Christ, churchgoer, if you haven't made up your mind about forgiving everyone, if you haven't made up your mind, churchgoer, about holiness before God, then you're simply going with the flow of the world. It is you that the false prophets target. It is you that the false prophets are trying to woo. But I'm asking you this morning that you allow God to draw you, that you allow the Holy Spirit to draw you unto holiness. I heard a quote the other day that says that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is for you to have a Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to purify and cleanse you so that you can be a bride without spot or wrinkle. Make up your mind today about whether or not you're going to be holy before God. Please, because there is a bigger agenda than the personal desires of your flesh that exists that can drag your soul to hell if you don't have your heart and mind fixed on the spirit. To those of you who are walking with the Lord, to those of you who are loving Jesus and have your heart attached to God's agenda, I want to encourage you, keep going. I know it's not always easy, but keep going. I know the world may seem like they're against you, but keep going. Don't fall off. Don't, don't look to the right nor to the left. Keep going. Stay encouraged. Listen, it may be weeping right now. You may sow in tears, but the Bible says you're going to reap with joy. You may feel like you're without right now, but there is eternal riches and eternal glory waiting for the one whose agenda and heart is set on him. If that's you, I want you to be encouraged. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. 
It's been given to you from God. It is his Holy Spirit that's going to sustain you. The scripture says here that he's going to keep you from falling. Your eternity is set. Your eternity is sure. And the Lord smiles upon you and waits for you. Stay strong. Stay faithful. Because the one who loves you will come again. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And there shall we ever be with the Lord. When he returns, he's coming for you. And he's coming to love you. Stay faithful and stay strong in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for bearing with me during this time. This concludes our messages on beware of ravenous wolves. But it wouldn't be a proper conclusion without offering for those of you who don't know Christ, the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you don't know Jesus, I am begging you, come to Jesus today. Repent of your sins. Repent. Turn away from your unrighteousness. Turn away from your hell-bound ways. And give your heart to Jesus. Make up your mind about who God is. I'm saying this to the sinner as well as those who are in the church that are in sin. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous his thoughts. And let them return again to the Lord. It says in Isaiah that he will abundantly pardon you. Jesus loves you. He died on a cross to take the guilt and shame of your sins upon himself, thus satisfying the wrath of God that you deserve. He took it upon himself. He suffered so that you wouldn't have to suffer. Repent and give your heart to Jesus today. Right where you are, you can bow your head and close your eyes and confess your sins. Give them all to him so that he can give you his spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this, this morning. I'd like to, in the seriousness of all of this, I'd like for you to, to prepare your hearts to support the work of God that we're doing at First Love Fellowship. Um, we have so much gospel to preach, so many opportunities to continue the spreading of this word. And I'd like for you to help us do it. If you could go to wearefirstlove.com, there's a giving link at wearefirstlove.com. Go to that giving link and give as the Holy Spirit leads you to give. Give abundantly. I read something the other day that said, you know, you know when true revival is in place because not only does it affect the, the, the people in their lives, it affects their giving. I want you to give in such a way that shows a reflection of your revived soul. Give in support for the agenda of Christ. And give more than even, like, give, give with more commitment than you do your, 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 your Netflix bill, your Amazon Prime bill. Don't tip God, please. Give abundantly. It says in the scripture, 
He that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. God wants you to reap bountifully and bless you. Go to wearefirstlove.com and help us to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ more and more each and every day. And I'm thankful to God for those of you who give, and I'm thankful to God for those of you who have heard. God bless you, and we will see you again soon. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. Always remember your first love.